0: everyone, my name is Chris Tondevold and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we feature musician Chris Granville of the Southern Maryland-based bands Coast is Clear and Stonebrew. I've known Chris for a long time, so it was great to be able to catch up with him. We get into how he got started in music and how Van Halen can split families, how quick the loss of innocence can happen in the current generation, and how becoming a better communicator can lead to just never shutting up. Make sure to check out both of Chris's bands at the links in the description. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can on all social media platforms. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. If I remember right, you're in... Stonebrew and Coast is Clear?
1: Yeah. So I play I play guitar in Stone Brew and I do lead vocals and...
0: That's right. Okay. So you've been playing music for a minute and I think I think when we met you were in Pistol Creek Gang, if I remember right?
1: Yep. Yeah. That was probably like two thousand like nine, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, it feels like. Far away.
1: <laughs> oh definitely oh yeah. After everything that's been happening in the past four years, everything feels fucking far away, dude. It's just been nuts.
0: This whole year uh. feels far away. Just like
1: Dude, this year has only been six or no, eight days, like and it's already fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Uh.
0: It's it, it's gross. I don't I don't necessarily like it, but it, it is it is what it is,
1: yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. everybody said it's it gonna be a little bit better. I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> Still the DC, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know if anything gets better right at the moment. It'll probably it'll probably take a little bit of time. We'll we'll see. But I got yeah. a feeling that it's just gonna be all the, the same shit show for the I the foreseeable want, future.
1: I just wanna play music, man. I just wanna play a show. It's been so like we did that at Roach Fest uh, a few months ago. And that was awesome. It was amazing. And we did a couple of shows just recently, but it's like, I just, I want to get back to a standard amount of time doing shows and people, you know?
0: Yeah, That I feel like that's probably the hardest part about being a musician is that disconnect, especially with the style of music that you play, because it is really feeding off the energy and giving energy back.
1: Yeah, it, no, it definitely is. I mean, metal music. Like, if your crowd isn't into it, like, certain somehow, like the energy isn't there for. At least for me, like the energy isn't there if they're not into it. Like, you look out, everybody's just staring at you, and you're like, ah, fuck. Like, but if it's everybody's there and you know the energy is feeding off both of them, like you have an amazing show, and that that's part of the doing this music, you, you know beating off the crowd and getting some reaction and having a lot of fun. So yeah, it's definitely been really, really rough recently over the past year now. Almost a year. The fact, that we, the fact that it's even been almost a year, dude, that right there is absolutely insanity. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because when, when was Roachfest? That was like nine months ago, I feel like? Or months yeah, ago? I, mean, I don't know what time is.
1: It was warm. I remember it was warm. Uh, <laughs> maybe... Uh, I think uh, maybe September, October. It, it, yeah. Like, it yeah, Okay.
0: way warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, we, we even had like a 70 degree Thanksgiving. So yeah, this yeah. whole, this whole like sense of time is completely gone because you, you talk about, Oh yeah, it was definitely warmer. It was not 30 degrees outside. That's for sure. But yep. that could have been in November at this point.
1: Uh, like, I think part of the problem there is like we did nothing all year. You know, like there was nothing that happened, so it's not like I can be like, Oh, it's right before this show and I know that this show or right before we went to the studio. No, it's like we did nothing. Like everybody did nothing. So it's hard to even know like how long it's been. You know, like I I lost my job in what, March, I think. And I honestly I can't remember if I got my job again in August or September. Like it's been so dude, it's been such a crazy year, man. Like (laughs) I honestly, I don't. I've never
0: seen anything like it. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a kind of an understatement. Put it in a micro microcosm. Is I I took vacation off this week, but without like a schedule to go off of, I'm not sure what day it is. And the only <laughs> the only reason why I remembered today was Friday was because of the interviews that I have. Because oh, I really? yeah, because I I completely like. Missed. I I don't know what it was, but I just like I don't know what day it is, and I question myself like almost this whole week, at least once or twice a day. I was like, is today Tuesday or Friday or is it oh, Sunday? Dude.
1: Time is only relevant until the day, oh, time is only relevant the day you get back from vacation. So, like <laughs> vacation time isn't relevant at all. Like like ah oh, three in the morning, whatever. Let's get more fucking wasted. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, all I want to do is just be able to like sleep and be productive, and that neither of those have happened.
1: So what you did, you took a vacation. Yes, vacation is just literally sitting on the couch and doing nothing. I mean, that's what a vacation should be—doing literally nothing. Like, I, I do responsible stuff every single day. I want a whole week where I do nothing. Yeah.
0: well the so the the only downsides to that is when when you don't have time to like work on your passion when work is a thing like for you music for me it, it's definitely the the podcast but I I've, I've, I my whole plan this week was to edit like the six episodes that I have backlogged and that's not not what happened at all. <laughs> I recorded new <laughs> ones. So I, I gave myself more work to do. And uh, yeah, it, it's not what happened.
1: Well, you know what? happens sometimes, you know? I mean, dude, you know how many times I sat down and uh, I'm going to write a really cool riff and then like ended up uh, just playing Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd and then turning on the TV. You know, like it happens, <laughs> you know? I tried so, learning you know, that I'll, I'll like, Oh, it's a, it's a relatively easy song to, to learn. But it took me like years and years to actually like sit down and be like, I want to learn this song. Like I love these Floyd; they're about their top two favorite bands of all time. You know, them and Van Halen like one and two. Don't know which is which is one or which is two, but they're up there.
0: Because of the the style that you play, doesn't really reflect that. Um, I don't
1: think Not coast coast definitely definitely more Pantera with coast than more, like kill switch, kind of. I'm a huge kill switch engage fan as well. But with solo, I feel like it does. It comes through to a certain degree. Like with like solos and little um, diddlies. I call them little diddlies, but you know, like little tiny things I might do here and there. Kind of. I feel like they're a little feel y Sometimes with a solo, there might be a little bit, a little bit of a Eddie Van Halen influence just a tad bit not a huge one and then there's some morello uh influence as well but i think i think i i, I really i think for years i love stoner shit <laughs> so when i found the corrosion and conformity crowbar down Eater, stuff like that yeah. I was like playing playing wise it really resonated with I really wanted to do a stoner metal, stoner rock band, you know, okay. and blues. I mean, blues, blues is another huge influence when it comes to like my guitar style. Like, I love playing the blue scale. I love playing just you know some good down home shit that you know really makes you you know kind of sorrowy, I guess, a little bit sometimes. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but. There are a lot of influences when it comes down to playing. There's also Machine Head and And
0: I I haven't listened to them in forever.
1: I fucking love them. I don't like their recent, most recent album or their, you know, most recent singles. Some of them are okay, but yeah, I mean, they're actually probably the first metal band I ever heard. I know that sounds crazy because, you know, you got Metallica and shit. I like, obviously, I knew who Metallica and Pantera were, but the first metal band I ever really got into I was Machine Head. And that, it was by accident. It, I was at Borders. But
0: no. Yeah. Which one was in the mall? Borders or Barnes & Noble?
1: I think it was... I think, I, I think it was... Man, I... the
0: CDs. Yeah, I... That... Because it's weird because there's books a million in Waldorf and I don't remember... Oh, no, if, I'm talking about Annapolis, Oh, oh no. That's, oh, that's, wow, that's even... That's even better because I don't remember... Because the Annapolis one, I don't remember... All the different things in there. The only thing that I remember in this area, uh, especially up there, was the the standalone stores. I don't remember the the mall all the way because I've only been oh. to the Annapolis Mall to watch movies.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, it was like right next to the movies because you had you had the movie like the where they had the like the ticket line and shit. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And then they had what what was it? Um, GameStop was like right there. or I think at the time it was like EV Electronics or something like that. And then you had Sam Goody and Borders was like right there. So okay. I went in the Borders with my parents and I think I was like maybe 12 years old. And I saw this red CD that said Machine Head on it, the burning red. And I was like, that looks kind of cool. And at this point, you got to think like Linkin Park,
2: Right. Not.
1: Fucking all that was coming out. But dude, I picked up a Machine Head album, not even knowing what it was, bought it, and dude, selling raw. Like, I went like two, like a month later with my parents again and got, burnt my eyes. And then I bought Supercharger. Like, I went on a, a kick of Machine Head for a long time. So, they're, one of, they're a huge influence for me. Like, dude, I really love their music. Like I said before, kill switch is a huge, huge influence when it comes to to singing and stuff. Because yeah. I think Jesse and Howard do those, those guys. Woo.
0: <laughs> so you what? Well, I think I think one one thing that's cool with you when when I first saw you guys in Pistol Creek when we were all much younger, I believe you were a front person there, and now you oh, have right. this this option to kind of go in between. Being a frontman and then being a guitar player, which I think is, right. is a really cool way to kind of express everything that you're trying to do. Do you are you able to kind of distinguish which one you kind of feel more free in or more at home?
1: See so the guys in Coast, I mean Joe, Joe was actually into street gang with
0: him, right
1: his, uh, guitar, and so was Brian. you're Younger Brian front Coast is to coach, doing Alpine now which is great for him. He really, dude, he clicked with Alpine like that. But Joe was in that band with me. I've known Glenn since I was, you know, 19. Yeah. Actually, the first time I met Glenn, funny story, we played, I was in a band, my first ever band was called Kamikaze Butterflies. And Joe, Glenn, and Brian were in a band called The Finistry. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: We played a show called Burnout, a uh, bar and grill. And when, while Glenn was setting up his set, he had all, you know, he had a rack mount, all types of drums, cymbals everywhere. And I go, hey man, can you play a Slipknot song? And he goes, no. he can you play a butt song? And he goes, yeah, I'll play a butt song. And he plays it, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Didn't know I'd be in a band with them, you know, years later, but you know, I've known them since then. So I feel like I'm definitely, I feel like it's more family there. You know, yeah. like, for sure my brothers and Cody is, like, I've, you know, Cody was in Stonebrew at one point and decided to jump to Coast. So I've known him quite a while, and we're all kind of just, it's like a brotherhood, like, we're all in it together, which we are with Stonebrew, but Stonebrew, we haven't known each other as long. But, I, honestly, it, it doesn't feel like either one is more preferable or one is better or anything like that. It's just, I just know that, like, the guys in Coast, I've just known them so long that like I can walk at their house. Their mom fucking makes me a plate of food <laughs> and you know tells me, tells me literally eat, eat, eat. You need to eat. And and we go downstairs and we hang out and we write music together. Like it's just it's it's something I've known for now. With this band, I've known it for that. Like I want to say since two thousand. Late 2011, so it's been 10 years.
0: That's Uh, crazy.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, we've been doing it a long time and haven't gotten anywhere, (laughs) man. You know, Uh, but it's fun doing it, dude. It's 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 a blast because you know you have your ups and downs, and as long as you're doing it with people you just fucking like truly love and truly love spending time with and doing things with, it's pretty fucking Pretty easy, you know. Same with Stone Brew. You know, we have a solid set, of solid, uh solid core. Me, George, and John Lane—we're all a very solid core. We've been doing this for five years now, and it—you know—like I can, me and George, we feed off each other, constantly. You know, like I can come up with a riff, and George is like, "Oh, what about this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that right there." And then he'll come up with like a drum thing, and I'll be like, all right, well, what about this? And he's like, fuck yeah. Sometimes <laughs> we'll get each other criticisms. Like, well, maybe don't do that, do this, you know, but do we feed off each other so well? Like that band, it's, it, it is a lot of fun. And like you said, it does give me, it gives me the freedom to be able to do two different things. You know, like I, I, am not the worst in that band. I'm setting the tone, you know, whereas Big Toast, I'm not setting the tone, I'm putting words onto the tone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm setting, I'm making the message, you know, which uh, honestly, I do love doing, I love just being able to kind of get my own feelings and the things I know on a pad and paper and just be like, all right, well, you know, this is how I'm about some shit, you know, because honestly, the only way I know how to get, like, to get my feelings out in a healthy manner. Otherwise I'm fumbling like an idiot. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that when like you get in an argument with me, like I'm I can be very 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 well versed in the thing we're arguing about, but as soon as we get in an argument, I'm just like, well, you know, it fuck you, dude, <laughs> and that's who I am. I, it's horrible, dude. I could never be in a debate because it would just be, you know, it would be shit. I would lose every time.
0: That's that's funny. I I like that because. <laughs> I I suffer that a little bit where I I can't really, for some reason, like when, when I have a conversation, like when I get frustrated, I think is the other thing for me is that as soon as I like get frustrated, I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm just going to leave. Cause I can't say oh, yeah. anything. I can't oh,
1: yeah, speak. I that too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I know that life. Yeah. Uh, I did it. Uh, I did it with my dad the other day. We were talking about stuff and he was just like going on and I was like, I, I can't can't deal with this right now. Just, I, I got to walk away. I'm not, not going to do it. <laughs> sometimes sometimes even family gets you that way, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that I, I think that's kind of the, the whole world at the moment, to be honest with you. Oh, if, for sure.
1: And uh,
0: if more people just walked away, I think we'd be in a better,
1: better spot.
2: <laughs> that's like, for sure.
1: Like you can tell like I'm a pretty, I mean, i I could talk to people. You know, I'm a pretty sociable person. I'm not a, a you know complete idiot, but dude, as soon as you get me in an argument, it's like I don't know what the fuck to say. <laughs> uh, especially women. You get me in an argument with a woman, uh, dude, I literally always lose. Like I know it's a joke. Like we always lose women. Women always win- winning the uh, the argument, but it's true, dude. <laughs> Something about women just make me just block up. I was like it's horrible. Uh, what are you gonna I- do?
0: I I dig it. I mean that that just means that uh, you you know your potential if you can get it, but uh, you know it's. I think it's a better thing overall, even though you can't really like articulate anything to just be like fuck it, I'm out. You won. See, it's over. Like whatever you want to do with your life is cool. I'm just gonna fuck off and do it over here. Oh, that's what
1: I do on the internet. Like now, like I used to like respond to things on Facebook. Now it's like. I I just can't I can't anymore. Like, if somebody starts arguing with me, I'm just like, okay, uh, well, you win. You know, I'm not going to change your mind, so you win. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just I just deleted the the Facebook app from my phone. So we're gonna see how this works because I don't really like I don't want to just see all everything on fire all the time. So I'll
1: pitch. I'll pitch. I'll I'll pitch quitting Facebook. Way people pitch quitting cigarettes to you. You're going to love it. It's going to be the greatest thing you'll ever feel in your fucking life. Like, you feel a hundred times better about yourself. It's almost like all the depression that you felt throughout the entire year gets lifted after you see everything. Like, you don't see everything every morning. Like, what is your natural thing in the morning? You probably wake up, look at your phone, check Facebook. Yep. That's what most people do. Dude, that's a horrible start to your morning, especially in these times. Because yeah. you're gonna see something you hate immediately. <laughs> so you're basically inviting negativity into your life as soon as you wake up, dude. What I do is I wake up, I leave my phone alone, wake up, make myself a pot of coffee, I, I get my coffee, I get in the shower with my coffee, like like some weirdo. But it it's become part of my morning, dude. I, I I take my shower, I get out. I don't check Facebook until like oh I no, don't like I get I get to work and I sit in the market lot for like 5 minutes and I'll check Facebook real quick. That's about it.
0: That that disconnect I I'm I'm starting to feel even more and more that that's what like I need more than anything else is just that disconnect away from everything that's going on. What I'm kind of concerned with and and something that you might be able to talk about is Staying still connected enough to like promote the show and get the show out, I would assume that's that's something that you kind of have to contend with a little bit with your your bands too, right?
1: Yeah, so that's become that has become a definite thing when it comes down to like promoting promoting a band at all, dude. You can't. There's no promoting even even before COVID. There was really no pro, there was no street press. Like, it was very hard to do that anymore. I mean, you can do it as, as much as you possibly can. You can put flyers up at a, you know any gas station or, or any music shop or anything like that, but it's almost become pointless. You do a lot of your promotion online through social media, and that already, at this point, is like a, a half and a half. Like, we have over 2,000 followers, I think, in both bands at this point getting engagement is rough. We have an idea with Stone Brew. It's just everybody puts up a post every two weeks, you know, and that's about my time spent on Facebook. I mean, right now I'm not doing, I, have, dude, I haven't posted in 20. I don't know how long I've been in jail, but it's like 22 days, something like that. Yeah. I'm in Facebook jail right now for, for, I guess you could say defending my boy, Larry Hogan's honor. I got a little heated on Facebook. <laughs> people hating on my boys, you know, like they will do that. So I got, I got, dude, I got hit hard by Facebook. They were not having it. I also got banned one time for saying white people crazy. When in fact, white people are crazy. Everybody's a little crazy. As right? we can
0: kind of see, yeah.
1: I, oh yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, it, you can tell it if you want, but I think it's fucking hilarious. These motherfuckers got pipe bombs and didn't do goddamn shit with them. Like, what the? Fuck? Fuck, dude. Like y'all didn't do anything. Like yeah, why would call them terrorists? They didn't terrorize anybody. They were nuisances, if anything. Uh it was craziness, dude. Yeah. We'll, we'll, just,
0: crazy. we'll just say that that we're all we're all crazy
1: and Oh, for sure. That. For sure. Well, we're all crazy. I mean, I know I am for sure. But yeah, I mean it's just it support like back to the original point, I guess. We Promoting yourself online is very
2: hard. Yeah, you
1: give your, you, you try your best, and you know, put up as many posts as you can, and and just try to engage people as much as you possibly can. And sometimes it, it really gets frustrating because you put up so many posts, people aren't really looking at it, and then you go do live videos, and people aren't really looking at it. And you're like, well, what the fuck are people looking at? Am I even coming up in the feed? Am I curated for anybody to see? So it gets a little frustrating sometimes. But my biggest suggestion for your show and for anybody who doesn't really like doing Facebook, throw like ten bucks in the in the in the Facebook ad thing. Yeah. Every time yeah. we every time we do Facebook ads, dude, we get we get hundreds of likes and we get a lot of people viewing our stuff. Like when we we did the weed ride video for Stonebrew, mm-hmm. when we released that, we had like I think we put like fifty bucks on it and we got like I wanna say it was somewhere around two, three thousand views in like a day. That's it, pretty it, solid. Yeah, it, it works, dude. It works. It definitely does. We have people in like India checking our music out with toast. Like we it definitely worked. It's just you gotta I mean, I hate saying it, but you gotta spend money to make money sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think good. Oh, so I, I think the, the worst thing is that we're in an industry where you don't really make a lot of money. You know, like, that whole hope of, okay, I'm going to get signed and make a billion dollars, like, that's not a thing anymore. You know, no. like, it's just not. Like, you have to promote and push yourself 110%. And to, I like to say we have to be Dan Cook. Because if you remember when Dan Cook first came out, he was the first comedian to ever really make it fucking cute. He yeah. really sell out crowds, and he did it in such a fast manner. Like, uh, you'd never heard of things, and then all of a sudden, you—he's
0: everywhere. As, you know? Yeah, yeah. He um, comes. He comes he out
1: of
2: nowhere. Face.
1: He pushed himself on Mike. Yeah, because he pushed himself on Mike. He was doing like I remember seeing an interview, and he talked about how he would have people send him messages, and he would respond to literally every message. He would sitting at home and make videos and to posting stuff on, on my and answer every single message that came to them on, on he he truly was dedicated to what he was doing. And dude, he, he really, I mean, a lot of people hate him, but man, that, that dude, we have to be him. We have to put in the drive. We have to put in the, the effort and the work to be able to make it huge and even this to make it to the point of like a band like kill so in
2: games
1: at The biggest they do is festival. They're not selling out arenas. They're playing at Baltimore soundstage.
0: Right. Right. You
1: no, know? right. that's not an arena. That's just a bigger place. You know, you gotta, you gotta really push it nowadays. Really push it.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's interesting because you have to really wear multiple hats when you're trying to get your art out there. And the downside of that is how much energy you're putting into each facet of it, because then you can get caught into that, oh, well, nobody likes my music because I'm not getting the likes or I'm not getting the views that I feel like it should deserve. But also, if I don't promote, then no one will hear what I'm doing. So it's a weird, it's a weird balancing act that I feel like you have to do, and you have to, you legitimately have to like learn the hard knocks of marketing while trying to just make music and get that out there. Because the kind of like what you alluded to earlier, right now there are no shows at all. But even before that. To get people to go to the show, you still have to like get their attention from whatever is going on 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 Facebook, whatever is going on on Instagram, and get them to pay attention to what you're doing. And it's it's almost like just shouting into the void sometimes.
1: No, it definitely, definitely is. And, and not only are you tr- having to learn like the hard knocks of marketing, but you have to learn online marketing now. It's not just like oh, what do people like and what don't they like. It's now What are people seeing? You know, what are people seeing? Because everybody knows that your feed is curated for you. Basically, whatever you normally watch, they're going to see it. So if you don't normally watch metal stuff, you're probably not going to see up. You know, like if you don't normally look at what Stonebrew is doing, then you might not see up. You know, like, unfortunately, you have to learn how to also fight an algorithm, not just fight, you know, the normal tendency of a person. You know, you have to fight Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. You know, like I think Instagram's a lot easier. I see everybody I follow for, from what I know, but Facebook it's like almost like I'll see something from twelve days ago, and then I'll see something from an hour ago, and then the next thing is from like you know fourteen hours ago. So none of it makes any sense. You
0: know, no, it's, it's um, a it's a weird environment for that. I think when it comes to to just like trying to be the the whole like look at me look at me some companies make it to where oh you have to buy stuff if you want people to look at you so you're gonna have to figure that out give me money first before you can even like make an impact on your friends and like these are the people that actually like maybe like your page like maybe like want to pay attention to you right so, yep. you have to even like pay for that. And it is, it is just a, it's a rough thing. And it's not something that I'm sure when you, when, when you were buying that machine head record at 12 years old, would ever think that you'd have to contend with when it, you were making music throughout the years too.
2: So, well,
1: when I first started, I mean, you got to remember like I, I started a band when I was like 16, 17 yeah. years old. So when I first started doing music and fell in love with doing music, like no, that I didn't even think it then. You know, I didn't think it when I was twenty twenty one. But when we started post it started becoming this huge thing. It's like do you use do you use social media to do stuff. You know? Like we've seen so much change, but we weren't ready for a change like that, you know? Not at all.
0: When when I was trying to do stuff all the time, especially when I was doing stuff at the Lesby Town Center, trying to still have like that conscious effort for an online presence, no matter what I'm doing. It's something that I still am not like comfortable with or prepared for, I feel like. But it's not something that I don't think any of the bands that I was like dealing with for the most part kind of had their their heads wrapped around. To where they could really see the trajectory of what is going to happen. Like, what's more important, playing shows or marketing yourself? Like that, that that balance is is such a weird thing.
1: Well, it's it's also hard because when you do music, you, a lot of the time you're more worried about the music itself.
0: Right. When you're making music, you don't necessarily think about the other aspects of marketing the music or anything like that. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're trying to just make the music sound good.
1: Right. And that's what you're kind of just worried about, especially when you're younger. Like when you're younger, it's like you see all these people making this awesome music. And you're like, I want to fucking do that too because I love music just as much. And so you're not thinking about, oh, how do I market myself? How do I take care of, you know, finances for the band and all it's not stuff you're a hundred percent worried about. Some people, dude, there are some people out there where that's the only thing that's on their mind. And some people who can really balance it and when we first started when the social media stuff first started there were very few people who really knew how to take it on and take advantage of it but the rest of us were kind of just like fuck we didn't take advantage of it when we should have now we're <laughs> kind of kind of screwed like still trying to figure it out because it changes every day like yeah for some odd, you know some odd reason it, it's it's not a fixed thing it's very like social media in general is very fluid and the way it operates it changes a lot too because they're always, you know, changing coding and all that shit. So the internet continued to change as we got older, but it, we never really caught up. I don't think right. we did. Now kids like my daughter like she knows how to use Zoom better than I do. <laughs> you know, and I use Zoom for, for meetings and stuff, you know? Like we did we did a virtual a Christmas this year and okay. my daughter's on there basically explaining to everybody how it works. And how old is your daughter? She's nine years old. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But she's she's not on like social media or anything like that. We're trying to keep her away from that for now. Yeah. But she knows how to use Zoom and she's like teaching everybody how to use it. Like my sister's like, holy crap, you know all this? And she's like, Yeah. I talk to my <laughs> friends all the time on the phone. I'm like, damn, dude. I'm like, you don't even call me on Zoom. What's up?
0: <laughs> no, I see you all day. I don't need to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think I think that it's interesting also for you know the the generation that knew what it was like kind of before everything went just to online and like we know kind of the difference between okay, I know what like a CD still looks like, I know what it is to Mm -hmm. buy a record in a in a store, I know what it is to see like music in a store. Like all of that is oh yeah. Yeah, all of that I think is kind of lost on some of it currently, just because it's such a more digital world. And then you have the kids that just never ceases to amaze us because all they know is technology. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all they know is oh, yeah. just just like this new world where we're still fumbling around trying to figure out what direction we need to go and like how to how to put how to click the right button to make sure everything
1: actually works and they already have it. They already have it dialed oh, in oh, and it's for sure. nuts. Uh-huh. Oh, it's crazy. You also got to remember like we saw so much technological change over the years. That's, I feel like that's why we just never, like things were so much difficult when we were uh, more difficult when we were kids. I mean, you remember the AOL startup sounds, You're right? And it took us, you know, what an hour to get internet access. I still remember you know sitting in my parents in the kitchen using my parents corded phone because I always lost a cordless phone and <laughs> sitting in the kitchen with the cord and, and trying to you know uh, maneuver it over a cabinet and like still make it so my parents didn't listen to what I was saying because you know right right chicks and stuff. Like it, it was it, we saw so much technological change and so fast.
0: I just appreciate the fact that you're still making music and still trying. Like that's that's my my thing because the like what we were kind of talking about. The, like the world has changed so much with just the the digital age and all that good stuff. So to have people that are still playing music and 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 doing it while trying to balance out the nine year old daughter, family, work, all that shit. That's such a hard thing to be able to do. So for me, anything that you do and anytime that I can see you guys play is a small, like you trying to take some of your stuff back. I don't know if that's how you feel about it, but that's definitely like the way that I see it on the outside looking in is seeing everybody growing up and, and seeing their progression and still being able to like steal time for themselves with something that they like doing.
1: Yeah. I think the way I see it is it's 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 my fun, you know. Like like obviously I take it seriously and I love doing the music and the guys and I want to I want to grow as as you know the bands and all that. But for me, it's like you know I have all this time where I work. I, you know, I, I like you said I, I have a nine year old daughter. I you know I, I'm always constantly doing something. So when I can sit down with the guys and do music, like that's. At this point, it's like, that's the fun I get. You know, like I don't go to bars and get drunk. I don't, you know, go hang out with a bunch of people. Most of the time I'm home watching TV or I haven't played video games in years. So, you know, well, not years, but it's been a while. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's just, it's, that's my fun. You know, I, I get to, and also it's just an outlet. It's like I said before, it's a way to get, my feelings and my my stuff out while being able to do it with people that, you know, I appreciate.
0: Yeah. And that, I would assume also because I, I think one of the cool things about the area that we're in is that you can interact with the same people, but produce completely different stuff. So like for you being able to kind of do the two bands that have stylistic differences for sure but also look around everybody and say okay this person was doing like indie rock before now they're doing heavier stuff or maybe they're just doing singer-songwriter shit who who knows what what they're doing at the at the moment but being able to kind of see different people's different avenues and still being able to kind of combine and and work within that safe space and then you also have that chemistry, right? Like you because these are people yeah. that you've dealt with for years. So um, it doesn't really matter. I, I would assume, and this this is just me again projecting. I would assume that having more creative ideas is a good thing in that space because you're able to work better with those people with the relationships that you've built with over time.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think one of the I think when you said the chemistry, like the chemistry is there, but it's also knowing how one another react to something we like or don't like. Like Joe, for instance, he makes, when he doesn't like something, he makes a look of just like, I don't know about that. Like he (laughs) kind of grits his teeth. He makes like a disgusted look like, what are you doing? No, no, we're not doing that. You know? (laughs) And, And and honestly, knowing that about him is like part of just like it's working with him for so long and just, you know, writing stuff. I mean, we started, me and him started the band together when Pistol Creek Gang broke up. And because Brian, Steve and Austin all went off and did Electric Manis,
0: Right, right.
1: Me and Joe just decided. well, Joe was like, Look, I know a drummer. Do you want to start a band? And I was like, Fuck yeah, dude. And that's where it started. You know, like we've known each other so long that it was just kind of like there wasn't any question to whether or not we wanted to do it, you know? Because when I came in the band, I didn't really know Joe or in the Pistol Creek gang. I didn't really know Joe that well. But Mm -hmm. we clicked on like music we loved. You know, like we were both pretty big Slipknot fans, big Pantera fans. We had arguments about which Van Halen singer is better, which at this point, it's neither. It's only Eddie. Eddie is all that matters. So not Hagar? uh, No, I'm a Hagar fan. Okay. I'm I'm both, though. That's the thing. I grew up with a mother who loved David Lee Roth, but a father who loved Sammy Hagar. So I got the best of both worlds, no pun intended. That is
0: an interesting... what what's funny for me is like I I grew up and I'm gonna translate this slightly to that, but I grew up in with my stepdad and my and my mom, where my mom was from Colorado and my stepdad at that time because I've had another one since then, so he was from Detroit. So in in our heyday as far as hockey goes, because we we were a big hockey family,
1: oh, Red Wings the black ops A- right avalanche so oh, close avalanche. that's right yeah oh, that's right that was like what early 2000s yes uh, late 90s? yes yes yeah, I remember that. yeah so
0: the peak of the rivalry right so what i'm thinking is all the like the shit talking that was happening in my house was happening between you and your mom with david lee roth and sammy hagar being like nah neither of them oh, yeah. are
1: yeah oh yeah for sure for sure but I think so. My parents divorced when I was three, so okay. it was more separate arguing. Okay, okay. But yeah, I mean, dude, I've gotten. And I I personally, I'll say I I prefer Sammy Hagar as a singer. I think he has a better voice, just straight up. I mean, I'll say that. But David Lee Roth is as a frontman, dude. He's Diamond Dave. He's probably one of the greatest frontmen of all time. You know that guy could make a crowd go fucking nuts. And that's hard to it's hard to that's hard to replicate. I think I can only think of maybe f- three other people that can do that. And that's Corey Taylor, Phil and and I'd say I'd say Neil Fallon from Clutch. Okay it's just very I don't know, it's great front men, dude. Like, I think the, obviously there are way more, I'm sure, you know, but the, out of the things that I love, dude, those right there are probably my top favorite front men of all time. Dude. I, I think me. it.
0: When, when you were starting to make music, did you pull from those resources, not resources, but like references to be like, yeah, those are the ones that I know r- speak to me. I kind of want to oh, steal that- some of those things to to be able to go for my. My image of what a a frontman should be.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So I was huge Slipknot fan, still am. Don't like their recent album, but you know, I, I don't know. I can't really hate on it. But oh, dude, I was and a, a massive Corey Taylor fan. Yeah. So when I first started singing, like Corey was who I was trying to emulate. Also Chad Gray from Mudvayne. I got a lot of that in my voice as well. So I was trying to take from that a lot when i was younger and then as of recently it's been a lot of like machine head and kill switch like i take a lot from from jesse leach i love mm-hmm. jesse mm-hmm. i think that dude can belt, and and his lyrics are just so meaningful so when i first started doing music it was like you know Corey taylor was like huge influence Phil and Selma was another one. If you've ever been to a show where I've sang, you notice I probably I kick my foot up onto the onto the monitor, yeah, and I'd sing on the monitor. Like that's a Corey Taylor thing. That's yeah. like one of his biggest things. And recently, I've gotten a lot more, I think, open on stage. Okay, because I've been doing a little bit more drinking at shows. Uh, okay, never really did a lot of drinking at shows, so. Like we did Roach Fest and I, dude, I was drunk by the time Coast came up. <laughs> I was drunk, so like I had my own like little mini Phil and Selma period, you know, where I just got fucking drunk as shit and sang some fucking music. Like, so yeah, I mean, when I was younger though, it was, dude, I was taking cues from everybody, singing, screaming, just what I was doing on stage. I of course wasn't doing high kicks like David Lee Roth, but you know, <laughs> in my heyday, I might have been able to.
0: Well, that that's what I was kind of hoping for, because I was uh, I was really hoping yeah. that you would you uh, you'd really like start doing some jumping jacks, yeah, I mean, uh, just screaming the entire time though, because oh, you're in yeah. pain.
1: Yeah. yeah, that would be horrible, dude. You would do that. That would be just <laughs> a shit show of uh, <laughs> what the fuck is he doing up there? I don't know.
0: <laughs> He's trying a new oh. thing, man. Just let it happen. This is—he's
1: yeah. is, <laughs> just feeling it. On the stage, wearing really tight clothes, clothes that look like when I was a kid, dude. I thought David Lee Roth was a girl. Right. I had no fucking clue. I also right. thought Michael Jackson was a girl. I had no clue, man. And my dad was like, "No, they're they're men." And I go, "What? No." He and my dad goes, "Well, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, they kind of cross dressed so." I'm like, oh, he's a cross dresser. They didn't cross dress, but you know, the the outfits they wore were, you know, very tight. Imagine me being in that Nah, You don't want to see that. You
0: I think you not. should try it. I th- I think you should get some spandex. If you get if you get like the David Bowie look, where you just definitely have the codpiece in there too, perfect. <laughs> perfect. That's that's what oh, okay. Stonebrew needs more than oh, okay coast. Okay. So okay. that way you can cuz if you if you get everybody high and then drunk and then you come out and <laughs> you're you're dressed like David Bowie in there, I think I think that would
1: be better. Oh yeah, think, you might be able to, yeah, you might be able to get some real recognition doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Either a real recognition or some real weird looks, I'll tell you what. Uh, I yeah. don't think my boys can deal with that. Like, I, I don't think my cojones can. Like, I, I think that might hurt a little. I don't know how they did it, dude. I don't. I don't understand. know, dude. Like, some of those dudes, like, they're wearing tight, tight pants. And like, think about this. All right, so Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. Yeah. Very tall guy, tall and lanky. So like, tall and lanky dudes usually have big dicks. Like, it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. Like. <laughs> It, like, it has to be proportionate to a certain extent, right? I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> dude, like, imagine, like, imagine Shaq being in, like, really tight pants. Like, nah, dude. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I would work, dude. I like, mean,
0: there's, there's a gray sweatpants season for a reason, I think.
1: There is. There is. There so, is. You, yeah, know, yeah, you know, you yeah. know,
0: you might you might get some more fans. Who knows? Yeah, maybe I'll think I'll think about it.
1: You know, I'll put <laughs> it on the agenda. I'll bring it up to the guys, see how they feel about it, and then get 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 probably punched in the face. You
0: know? <laughs> democracy in its finest form.
1: It's the best, look. I mean, if we're going by American democracy, that's exactly how it works. So. <laughs> oh, God, dude. dude, I dude, I grew up and David Lee Roth like. I remember growing up just watching him and I was like, dude, and and Sammy Hagar, I, you know, my dad, I think my dad had the DVD or no, the the video for Live Without a Net, which was like one of their first, I think it was their first tour, the 5150 tour with Sammy Hagar. And yeah, I remember just as a kid watching that and being like, man, I want to do that shit. I want to be up there. I remember watching like chicks throw thongs and bathing bras onto the stage. And I was like, Oh man, they're Kings. You know, these guys are amazing. I want to do that when I grow up. And it is not what I thought it (laughs) would be. Like I used to think, all right, we're going to do music. I'm going to get laid so much. I've never gotten laid on a show ever. (laughs) Music has never gotten me laid ever. That's,
0: that's so funny. <laughs> that, that, so I, I feel like that image is still kind of there, but I, I feel also kind of like what we were talking about where maybe, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe that's like not the, the dream ish or the, like the inspiration I think, I think is the better word for it. I don't know if that's the, the same inspiration that, that people get of just being like you know what i i want that because there's not really rock stars anymore too much no, either
1: no. No. you no, know what i mean The rock star right now is cory taylor i mean let's be for real like that's the only guy that really is out there still doing anything huge other than that i mean who can you really think of chevelle no they're not doing huge things anymore
0: The only other one that I could think of would be like Dave Grohl, as far as like a personality goes. Yeah,
1: I'll give you that, Dave Grohl. Yes, for sure, Dave Grohl's still doing shit. And I, I, yeah, I'd say he's probably up there too. Maybe Five Finger Death Punch, but I don't consider them good at all. So (laughs) move on for that. I was gonna say Nickelback, but they haven't put out a song in like four years or anything like that. So like. Yeah, dude. There's really not a lot of rock stars out there. Rock and roll is—I hate saying it—but rock and roll is kind of like mainstream rock and roll, kind of dead. And and you got to think like, like how how the fuck did that happen, dude? I don't get it.
0: I think part of it might just be the gen generic part of it. I guess I, I'm, I was trying to think of the the word for it, but just like the the mediocrity maybe of it and how everything kind of sounds close or sounds similar and there's not really any kind of like polarizing personalities as much as, as there used to be. I feel like right. the the flip side to that though, is that the internet has opened that up to where you're able to kind of see other people and have them be able to have a different platform. like, <laughs> You you look at like Trapped, the, the dude from Trapped and how they they're pretty much like kicked out of the internet at, at this point. Oh,
1: yeah. They're done, yeah. 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 There's no coming back from that shit.
0: No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> but it I think it's just an interesting thing where you have it to to I don't know if that inspiration because what's funny is that like I, I did an interview earlier this afternoon and that guy's inspiration into music was Van Halen. Like th- he he saw them, he heard them. He was like, I want to play that shit. That, that is what I want to do. And that's, you know, helped him throughout everything. And then for you, you know, you have, (laughs) you have Van Halen, you have all, all these people that, that have like inspired you in all these different ways. And just that dream or not that dream, that, that uh, imagination of getting those panties thrown at you, getting, getting everything like those big arenas, I think when we get older, we realize that's really fucking hard to do.
1: Oh, how did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and it was hard even in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and early 2000s. It was even hard then. Like it was a one in a million shot. And then the, like, and you said the internet I felt like the internet kind of made it a, a little bit harder because not only are you having to market yourself on the internet and all that and do it yourself at this point? But also you're competing with like streaming platforms. You have to now put your music on there and people are constantly putting stuff up on YouTube. You never know what that, as a local band, it's not a big deal, but like to a huge band, like say you're such like, or say you're fucking ghost, there's one. Yeah. People put up. People put up these videos of somebody taking a, a shot on their camera, and it's like a full show, and they throw it up on YouTube, and you can just watch. It. I can just watch somebody's live performance. You know, like I think that's the craziest thing in the world. I used to have to buy. Like I remember buying Slipknot's disaster pieces, Soulflies, they're, they're they can they had kind of the, but they're the live they're live DVD. show, right? Yeah, they have live D- DVD. I, I bought the, the Lamb of God's Philadelphia. Like I was like all about buying all their live shit and seeing it there. Now I can go back and watch any of those things on YouTube. So yeah, I, you, you're kind of competing with free sh- your shit being free now. Like I can't. We're, we're not like yeah, we can sell some albums here and there. We can sell some music, but. For the most part, we're putting it up on Spotify. We're putting it up on Apple Music. We're putting it up on fucking SoundCloud. Like, people are now listening to our music for free. So, what's the point? You know, like everything's free at this point. (laughs) So, you have to market a whole different way. It makes it so much more difficult to really, you know, you literally split your chances in half again. After your chances being so low of making a huge, or even making it to a small time, you literally cut that those chances in half again just because of the internet. It's it's hard to it's hard to fathom that like we're now here. Like you said before, I mean, like as growing up, like you, I didn't expect any of this. I didn't see any of it coming. I didn't know we would ever be at this point. But as you get older, you kind of realize, oh shit, yeah, yeah, that was never really going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> even even with the internet not being a thing, I don't know if it would have ever happened. You know, but but it's it's dude, it's it's fun to still do, and it's still awesome to kind of imagine that it can, and still have that hope, like because you love music so much. I mean, I'm not a business savvy person. I'm not you know, a fucking marketing whiz or anything, but I love writing music. I love doing music. I love, you know, sitting down with the guys and writing and then going, holy shit, I have something really fucking cool to put to this and then putting it on pad and then running to the studio with it. You know, like those are, that's, that's honestly what you live for as a musician. You don't really live for the marketing or the, any attention you live for the music more than anything.
0: Or at least you hope, right? That that's well,
1: yeah. You would hope. I mean, I think you know. Obviously, people get lost along the way, and you know, you, as you get bigger, you kind of get your head a little bit bigger and all that. But, dude, if you if you're not getting into this to do the music, then you're just you're not really getting into it for the right reasons. Like this is to a lot of people, this is sacred. you know. Like, right, and, and especially to me, like you know this. Writing music and playing it—it's sacred to me. You know, this is this is—I like to call it my religion. I don't—I'm not a religious person at all. I could give two shits whether or not God is <laughs> If he is, cool, man. I'll see you up there, and you can send me down to hell. If he's not, right. then I, whatever. <laughs> you know, what I—what can I do about it? Yeah. So, uh, but like, my religion is music. My religion is sitting down with a guitar and. Just fiddling around with it for a while and really just like, you know, trying to write something that really reflects how I feel or or you know, my mood that day. And and honestly, that's the most important thing to me is writing the music. Everybody else can suck a dick and go off and market <laughs> all they want. I, I love doing the music.
0: Yeah, that that release has got to be able to to come out and that's that's the the healthy part, like what you were talking about. You know, that getting yeah. getting it out. To where you're not bottling it up, you're not you're not being you're not being that 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 angry person or that sad person all the time, right? If if you're able to kind of release a little bit, it helps,
1: right? So I I um, I'm I grew up in an Irish household, not like hardcore Irish, like we're not like from Ireland or anything, but like my family has Irish blood, like hardcore Irish blood, so. growing up like you know like my family's like bottle it up don't talk about it like you know and then explode at thanksgiving you know (laughs) right (laughs) that's my family so like as i got older it was like all right, i need to find a release for this crap or i'm not going to survive so music was like that release and as i continued to do music and continue to grow up like I finally learned how to actually come out and talk to people and tell people. And I think what I did was I overcompensated, and now I just fucking talk and say too much. You know, <laughs> now I think I say like I honestly, I say shit. Don't give a fuck if somebody thinks otherwise. Like, ah, fuck sure. you, I of there I say what I say. <laughs> you know? Like, because too many people care. Uh, and uh, honestly, like at this point, like I've learned how to talk. I've learned how to express my emotions, and I. Healthy manner, and music helped me do that, dude. Like it really did. Like you know, and I think the turning point was I was writing all these songs about my daughter's mother. Okay, we're not together. We're not together anymore. But when she was pregnant, we were going through a lot of stuff, or like just just the most crazy shit. So as I'm writing about this, I'm I'm starting to realize that I'm writing about it, but she doesn't know what I'm thinking it. I'm not saying it to her. So the turning point was when I started actually showing her the lead. I started showing her the lyrics I was writing to these new songs we were doing. clear, yeah. And it really started opening me up to, you know, I'd show it to her. And she's like, so what does this mean? And, and it's, it kind of forced me to actually come out and say something about this is how I felt. Feel, this is what this means. This is how I feel about it. And it really, like I said, it, it helped me learn how to express my feelings in a more healthy manner. Um,
0: That's fantastic because I, I feel like that can take years and oh, years, okay. and you can, you may never even get to that point for some people to oh, be I'm able to, to feel therapy. good. To
1: <laughs> I still see a therapist that shit. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like I'm not a hundred percent on it, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely, you know, a lot better at it. It's not something you hear a lot about. You're right. Dude, I've dated, you know how I many women in the past 10 years I've dated, or I guess eight years that I've dated who cannot talk about anything, who literally lock up whenever you try to just well, you know, I feel this way. How do you feel about it? Oh no. I'm oh, <laughs> dude, I, I seriously I think I think I'm just attracted to women who don't talk about shit. Because I can talk about shit in a healthy manner. Oh, right. Weird. But right. Yeah, it's a, that's a lot of people, dude. A lot of people just do not know how to just talk about something instead of just blowing up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: just I I don't think that everybody gets that opportunity to release, but I do think that everybody gets the opportunity to talk to another human. And if you're able to find almost a human that can help break break that 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 mental block for a lack of better word to be able to be like you're it's okay to talk like just let me know what's happening if you're just honest with me a little bit i can help you or you can help me or whatever right and then if you also have that just that source of writing something down of, of getting it getting those thoughts outside of your own head is probably one of the more important things to do even if you don't necessarily act on it, like what you kind of did with with showing her the songs. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably a, a a big step for a lot of people that they never really get to, and right. I I really like that, and I I, I love the fact that you found it through your the most passionate thing that you have been able to pursue, which yeah. is which is your music, right? So you've been mm-hmm. able to to kind of grow with that, and then also become, become something that you can actually like ha- talk too much maybe sometimes, yeah but yeah. It, it's better exactly. than not talking at
1: all. Right. Yeah. No, that's, it's like you said, it's a big step for a lot of people. It was a big step for me, dude. yeah I mean, it was, it was one of those things where, uh, I, I didn't want to do it because for me, like growing up, I was made fun of a lot. I got bullied as a kid. and I was always very in my own head, self-conscious right. not knowing how to say something, getting always getting pissed off if somebody said the wrong thing or you know did the wrong thing. And so like I was very in my own head. And also like I'm not gonna put anything on my parents, but I was the fuck up as a child. Like <laughs> I did so many stupid things. My dad, my dad, I told my dad before, I was like, dude, you should just write a book about it. And he was like, I I, I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> like, well, I've thought about writing a book about it. Cause I was just the I, I was a I had a horrible case of ADHD, dude. I was like literally, they had me in the doctor's. Every single week, I went mm. to go see a therapist and a psychiatrist every week. And they had me on like four or five different ADHD medications together at the same time. Like I was okay. taking cocktails of medication.
0: I'm safe, but okay. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm, I'm here. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a relatively healthy person. So, but no, I mean... It, Growing up, dude, like it was, it was, I was hectic. I was doing dumb shit. So I I think growing up, I was also vilified for those types of things. And, you know, like I wasn't a normal kid. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my my teachers, my parents, you know, my fucking Scoutmaster at one point when I was a Boy Scouts, my ROTC instructor, they Mm -hmm. all had an opinion on how, who I was as a kid. And how I acted and my behavior and stuff like that. So I shut down. Like it was very easy for me to shut down when whenever somebody wanted to talk about something. So when it came time to actually get my feelings out and try and fix a relationship with somebody at the time I really loved, mm-hmm. it, it was a very big step for me to actually come out and show her how I felt about something. Cause I was, it was, it was mostly fear. It was fear of her looking at me a different way. And what she did, we ended up, you know, obviously separating and not being together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's married with a- another kid and happy and all that. And I'm alone and happy, <laughs> <laughs> happier, happier than I would be with, if I was with her. But sure. You know, it's dude, it was a huge step for me to, to, to take that and, and run with it because I was so afraid that, somebody would see me differently, hate me for what, how I felt, or, you know, I guess I, I felt like I would be vilified again, you know, and I didn't yeah. want it, but dude, I did what I could to try and, you know, try and salvage something that obviously I shouldn't have stayed in. But at the time I couldn't see outside that box, you know, I couldn't see from the outside looking in. Right. So, right. That was a huge step to be able to talk to somebody and show them my lyrics. Now it's like, I'll show lyrics to Joe and I'll be like, you like that? And he goes, yeah, that seems cool. And that's it. <laughs> you know? Or I'll send lyrics to Cody and Cody will be like, those are pretty fuck- cool. Yeah, man. And that's it. You know, like, because they once bitched at me. It was like, I don't even know what you're saying in your song. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, I can't. honestly, half the time I'm not even paying attention to you. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah had I, I do wonder like if 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 I was part of a band and then like my singer just had like this huge emotional and psychological breakthrough and now just won't shut the fuck up I don't know I don't know how I would like react as a band member for that did yeah. did anybody like jump on board where was anybody just like yeah, I hear you I don't really care like let's just play some tunes?
1: Uh, uh, they, I mean, they're they're supportive in it and all that, like, yeah, you know, like, so a lot of co stuff. The beginning of it was very, you know, it was all about my relationships, it was all about how I felt about all that stuff. And then, as we got a little older, politics came more in my life, and now the music's more geared towards. I I guess geared towards politics, not so much mainly because I don't have anything else to really be upset about. (laughs) I don't have a relationship. Like I I did write a couple about my most recent relationship, but dude, I haven't written about fucking feelings in quite a while because I can now talk about them. But now it's it's about politics because I'm totally afraid to talk about politics with anybody nowadays. Like <laughs> what's the point? Dude, I'll post some shit on Facebook and that's about it. Like right. the guys in the guys in Stonebrew, like we all have oh, very different views on politics. Like right. different. So best not to just talk about it, you know? Best to just leave it alone and continue going, you know. But Coast man, I can I have the freedom to say how I feel about, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump or whoever, right? You know, like I have the freedom when I have that voice to come out and say whatever the fuck I want without any ramifications because those guys they don't give a shit what I'm saying. They just give a shit that we're doing music, you know?
0: (laughs) Right, right, and that's that's kind of the the idea that I have is. You know the 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 content doesn't necessarily matter as long as you know you're making music for the most part however I would assume maybe not I would assume at, at one point if you say if you say something're like I don't agree with that you're dumb and that's like your guitarist or your drummer saying that's you you said that there's no ramifications so I feel like you probably have just like the the free will to do whatever the fuck, and the 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 music is what the music is.
1: Is that right? Yeah. So that's pretty much. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there there are times where like like when when we were we were writing a song called Mega Ton Truck, and Brian mm-hmm. was in band at that time. And there was a line where I said, "I hope God saves us," and he was like, "I don't really like that. I really don't like that at all." And I was like, all right. Well, what if I say change it to I know God hates us? And he was like, I like that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, see, like so, like there, there are times, there are times where they might be like, I don't know about that. And there are times where you know they might introduce a riff or a drum beat. You know, Glenn might throw a drum beat out there, and I'm like, I don't know. Why don't? What if we did something else or something like that? And that's the point where we're all kind of working together. But yeah. for the most part, it's just a conglomerate of of styles and and music like whatever comes out comes out you know like and that's that honestly that's how i feel music should be yeah. it, it shouldn't be uh, you know thought out to the point where you're you know oh man you know uh what's this part gonna be Or it shouldn't have to be thought out that way music should just come naturally honestly And that's, I think that's some of the best songs we've ever written. Things that just, we jammed it out, you know?
0: Yeah. When, when you're singing, especially like about politics or any kind of real subject, do you, do you feel like any kind of responsibility to your audience or any kind of responsibility, even to like your daughter, if she ever listens to your music, right? So have you thought about that at all? Like, Okay, this this is how I feel. Like this is just coming out. Do you have to check yourself at all when it comes to
1: like thinking of the outside world?
0: Sometimes
1: I guess. I mean, I think the older I get, the more I think I don't give a fuck. Okay. What other people think. But as for my daughter. Yeah, sometimes I do kind of think about checking it just a little bit because I don't, I don't want my daughter in ten years to listen to my music and be like, "Holy shit, you're an asshole." <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure in the next ten years she probably will say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't um, think there's any kind of saving from from yeah, that sentence no, at all. I
1: don't want her, you know, she's so she's growing up pretty fast. She's she's actually pretty aware of the things that are happening around us. Okay. Uh, as a nine, she's way more aware than I was at nine. She's she's a, not active, but she supports certain movements and stuff like that. She's a very very smart kid. She understands. Her mother brings things to her attention as well. We try we try to give her a decent dosage of reality. You know, like mm-hmm. she's a, she she supports BLM. She you know she doesn't like Trump. And I'm not going to say I love it because, you know, like to a certain degree, like, I think this world's taking innocence from our youth. But at the same time, she's becoming more prepared for reality faster than I am. 9-11 happened when I was, what, how old was this? 2001. So I think I was 13 years old. Okay. I didn't know shit about politics before that. I didn't even know it was a thing. I remember the Lewinsky trials. I, I remember that. I remember them talking about the oj trials but like i don't remember yeah i I specifically remember 9-11 and after you know like after that it was like politics just kind of like the whole world changed and politics was in in your forefront now kids man it's 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 almost like six-year-olds are seeing that shit. you know like you can't hide it from them anymore right fortunately Especially when crazy shit like what happened Wednesday happens, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I got to call my daughter now to make sure that she, she understands what's happening, you know? Yeah. My parents didn't have to do that. My dad sat me down on 9-11. He, he sat me down and explained to me what was going on. Okay. But my parents didn't have to do that all the time, you know?
0: I remember brother- where I was at when, when I was when 9-11 happened? Because I was I was in school. I was in health class and we saw it on the TV in like real time and it was fucking intense. We'll say that.
1: I was in social studies class and I was Mr. Jones. I'll never forget this. We were in trailers and Mr. Jones was like, I need somebody to go get mail. And I was like, all right, I'll go get mail. And I went up to the front office to get mail and all the, the front office personnel or whatever were huddled around the TV watching it and I was like, I'm here to get Mr. Jones's mail. And I was like, is that a building on fire? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, oh my goodness, Chris, Chris, go back to Mr. Jones. Here's his mail, go back. And I'm like, okay. And I go back and I told Mr. Jones, I was like, yeah, they're all watching TV and some burning, some building was on fire. And he was like, what? And he turned on the TV and he's like, no, they did they, who did this shit? And I was like, oh, I <laughs> nobody knew what was happening at the time. Yeah. So like, you know, you're running, you're running through school, uh, not knowing what the fuck everybody, there's rumors. None of you really know what the fuck is going on. Like, dude, it was, it was absolute pandemonium. And I feel like the kids are way more prepared these days for it. Whether or I also, not the parents are teaching them. But,
0: right. You know. I also wonder if like what happened the other day, will be a, a bigger impact on those kids now. That's got to be a pretty like jarring experience with with so much screen time for everything. Right? Because it's it was, it's it on jarring, everything. Jarring. Yeah.
1: It was jarring. I mean, I I was watching it in real time. I literally I turned on so I I I wanted to know what hap- would happen during this whole thing because it's obviously You know, the Electoral College thing, it's never been a fucking big deal. Nobody ever watches it. It's usually 30, 45 minutes long. Yeah. So, you know, now they're, you know, they're all, you know, objecting to stuff. So I wanted to see it. And dude, before I knew it, C-SPAN became the most interesting thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) But I was like, yo, am I watching C-SPAN or a movie? Like, what's <laughs> right. <happening> right now? <laughs> like, oh my God, dude. And like, before I knew it, there's a Viking on TV. And I'm like, why? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. It was absolute pandemonium. So it was like, I, I did a little thing yesterday on Instagram where I was like, dude, this might be the most hectic day. Or it was the most hectic day since 9-11. Like... Yeah, well, that... I, it, it's something i have never seen before. That's
0: changed. Yeah. And and that's what I was just thinking about. I was like, if I wonder if the kids that are out now will think about this 10, 15 years ago or 10, 15 years in the future, and just be like, Holy fuck, that happened. Like that's cause that's yeah. my idea of 9-11 is like, holy shit, that that happened. That was a real thing. And now our whole world is different. And I kind of feel like that as an adult watching everything, like what you were talking about, that this is definitely a turning point. But I wonder if the kids will ever feel like that too. And I feel like that's kind of a, a scary proposition for some parents to have to like face that and be like, like what you said, the innocence is gone at that point. Like there, there's no way to yeah. really save that innocence from. You can't shield it from the world anymore, in at least a political aspect of it. So, no, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's all over, and it, and it's it's something you, you're gonna see, man. Like it's that's the that's the fucked up part is that these kids are being exposed to this this shit show we call politics, and that's dude that's gonna shape them forever, man. Like it's seriously gonna shape. And the worst part though is that a lot of parents don't explain what's going on to the kid. And a lot right. of parents don't have time, you know. There, there are some parents out there that just they don't have the time to be able to explain these things to the kids and answer a hundred questions because that's all it is it's a hundred questions dude and it's a hundred wise because mm-hmm. it's something that they, like we, we see it as a normal we see all this stuff as like yes it's unbelievable but it's something that like come on like any if, if we're all really this shocked like I'm shocked that they got into the building yeah but I'm not shocked that it ever happened. Right, You know, because we kind of, like, I don't mean to like throw the politics in there, but like Trump said, let's do it like a hundred times, like so many times. He kept saying it was going to happen and nobody believed him because that's been the last four years have been nobody believing that he's going to do what he does. And, and that's, that's dude, that's, that literally has been the craziest part of everything is that we, these kids are seeing this, you know, like yeah. my daughter, yeah. my daughter, you got to remember my daughter. She was born during Obama's presidency. So she's only seen Obama and Trump. Oh, wow. I so didn't even think about view- that. Her, her viewpoint of politics is probably is is so it, it, it's it's polarized.
0: It's so extreme because, on either side.
1: Exactly. Well, now Almost. I wouldn't say Obama, I wouldn't say Obama was really extreme. Right. He's definitely left, but he wasn't hardcore left. You know, right, right. like they they made him out to look hardcore left, but a lot of the things he was doing was status quo things that presidents always do. You know? I remember there was one time where they freaked out because he had a tan suit. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, "Yo, what the fuck? I was like, this is what you're upset about? Like, get out of here! Yeah, dude. and I
0: think no. actually, it was either Lindsey Graham or McConnell wore a tan suit like a couple years after that, and we're oh, all sure. just like, dog, like what? What the
1: fuck, man? It's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dicks, <laughs> it's dicks, you know? It's a shit, it, and it, the worst part is both sides do it. You know, yeah, both sides do that type of shit. You know, we're you know the the left also tried to you know impeach trump you know like and, and they tried to you know they had they tried to contest his his election you know like to to act like they did they did and and that's the the craziest part it's like both sides can't see that they're hypocrites like a motherfucker you know right. like they it, and that, that to me is like probably the worst part of, of, of trying to raise a kid in like such a highly political world we live in right now is that trying to explain to my daughter that there is no real good or bad side. It's Both sides just don't know how to work together. They don't know how to make compromises. They don't know how to talk to each other. It's now, it's devolved into yelling at each other. You know, we are going backwards when it comes to communicating with each other. Uh, all the other ways, you know, we're kind of going forward, you know, with social justice Program. reform, yep, yep. And, yeah, and all that stuff. Like we are moving forward slowly but surely. But when it comes to communicating with each other, it seems like we're going backwards, and it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to explain that to a child because children only see it in black and white. They don't yeah. understand that there's a there's an area between. They don't understand that you have you know, so many nuances, the one single tiny subject, you know, like my daughter, she's, she's like, well, why, why do, why do they hate black people? And I'm like, Oh sweetheart, in their minds, it's a hundred different reasons, but I, right. couldn't tell you, I don't understand it either. There are so many nuances to so many different subjects that it's hard to explain it to them, you know, like, what do you say to a child when they ask that question? You know, like you can't just say somebody's dumb because it's not always dumb people that feel a certain way about something, you know? Like, yeah. And you can't, and and calling people dumb in front of a child is never a good way to raise a child.
0: <laughs> you know? No, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty drastic overstatement of everything. <laughs> that's that's Literally. like what you said. There's no, there, the, the nuance isn't quite there when you're just like, no, that person's dumb. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> but you want to say it so much because you yeah, want your child yeah. to understand that, like these people, like half these fuckers, are just idiots. Like you don't, right, don't worry right. about that, you know, <laughs> that doesn't explain anything to a child. That only makes them wonder more. You know, like yeah. simplifying it to such a degree only makes them ignorant to everything else that could be part of that conversation. You know, like. You know, I, and and explaining the last four years, five years, maybe six years. Well, I guess really it's been the last four years. So she's about to be 10 in March. So it's been about the past four years explaining to her what's going on and what what she's seeing. And, it, and it's been become exponentially higher in the past like year or two because she's yeah. actually become aware of things that are going on. The kids at school talk about stuff, you know. Like my mommy and my daddy say this, you know. So oh, when she comes home talking about something, I mean, dude, it's it's real rough trying to explain. It. Well, Karen, well, my friend, my friend Savannah said this. <laughs> my friend Savannah is an idiot, but I can't <laughs> say that. You know? no. <laughs> you know, your friend Savannah is nine years old. Don't fucking listen to her. You know, right, but, right, and, and I know your friend Savannah's parents—they're fucking idiots too. All right, went to high school with <laughs> too. You know, like, like uh, you can't say that to a kid. It, no. It's so frustrating.
0: Well, I think the communication piece is is the most important out of it, right. So if oh, if okay. if everybody either started a band and wrote lyrics or uh just journaled, like get oh, get there. Yeah. Get their thoughts out there. Put it on paper. I think we mm-hmm. might be in a better spot than what we're in now, So where we isn't don't that, have. Isn't that
1: just what Facebook is though?
0: No, because you you keep those thoughts to yourself for the most part, or you maybe share them with your therapist, yeah, good talk, good talk, rather talk. than
1: with a bunch that, of people. Yeah. The yeah.
0: Or the echo chamber that is the the Facebook algorithm.
1: Oh my fucking God. (laughs) Well, my friend said, my friend said, my friend said, yeah, it's just a bunch of friends saying some shit like, oh my God. Yeah, it's horrible, dude. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, you're right. If people actually, like, I feel like if people actually just got their, you know, their feelings out onto a piece of paper, I feel like they would feel a lot better. I, I feel like that would just make things a little, and then, and then, like, I know, I know some people that do like, like in the relationship, like they have a really difficult time talking, so they'll write it down, and then you know, leave a note for the mm-hmm. person. That, you know, mm-hmm. like instead of coming straight to them, and you know, a lot, some people are like, ah, you know, like immediate, or some people are really shy and can't talk. Like, it's easy to put it on paper, express your emotions there because you can think about it longer. You can really refine it, and then you give it to someone. You know, like I, yeah, dude, that's a great way to do it. Like, I feel like that people should communicate that way now. Like, I think it's just easier in general. <laughs> we'll uh, go
0: back to writing think. letters.
1: Yeah, if my if I could have a relationship where we just text back and forth when we argue, that'd be great. Oh it it God, is the dude.
0: best way for me to communicate. I know that for sure because mm-hmm. I've tried. Commu- we kind of touched on it earlier where when you argue i can't i can't speak very well i can't articulate the way that i need to but it, but right. if i have a keyboard in front of me i also have time to think about the letters and the words that i'm writing and right. then make sure that i can articulate it the way that i want to rather than just having whatever dumb angry brain that i have come out through my mouth because oh, there's yeah,
1: like- there's no like filter. You'll just sit there and you'll you'll text a bunch of words and you'll just clear all that, and then you'll text a bunch of words again and you'll and ah, no, clear that again, and then you'll text a bunch more words and be like, "Well, I really like the beginning, to the end, shit." So let me yeah. Do that yeah, yeah. No, I mean, dude, we've all been there. I mean, trust me, I do it all the time. Like, it's just it's just easier that way because it, you give yourself time to actually be able to put a thought.
2: Together, you yeah. Know?
1: Yeah, like like my dad always, you know, like everybody's parents and teachers and every adult ever told us, think before you speak. You know, that gives you the chance to think before you speak.
0: Yeah, because that's you know? it's definitely not happening now. A lot of and times,
1: you got to think about it. Is like when you're writing music, you also have to rhyme as well. So you're really <laughs> thinking before you speak. So you're like, you're like, okay, what rhymes with "I hate you"? Oh uh, shit! You know, like, or what what rhymes with I don't know, fucking dismay, you know, like oh, what do you really think about. Is that the word I want to use though? Like, you know, like you you sit down and you really think about it and it gives you a chance to really, you know, kind of just not just get it down, but mull over what how you feel. You know, I Love think it. a lot of the time people don't process how they the, the thoughts. I think a lot of the time people it's they think about something and that's how they feel about it. Immediately, yeah. Nobody really processes and sits down, and a lot of people, I'm sure, they do. But nobody plays devil's advocate with themselves. Nobody sits down and really goes, "Well, what would be the what would be the flip side to how I feel about something?" You know, like how how would that person maybe feel about how I feel? You know, and and I think that's a big part of this. A big part of communication is sitting down and really thinking about how you feel, thinking about how you feel about something, not just thinking that you feel that way, but why do you feel that way? You know, like why do you feel that way? And why are you, you know, why are you yeah, upset? Why, why are you angry? Yeah, why why, are you where that? are these? Yeah. Where are yeah. these feelings coming from? You know, like wh- where, where, you know, what are you gonna do about it? What can you really say? How do you say it? You know, like if you really sit down and think about those things, I think if everybody did, I really think that we would have a lot better communication. But we live in a world where everything's so fast, everything's yeah. so instantaneous that you know, everybody feels they have to respond, or everybody feels that they have to have a comment about something immediately, you yeah. know, like and I, I get it. You know, everybody wants to be heard, but there are some people that really need to think before they're heard. You know, like maybe like like you know, there's that old joke that oh, it's from the Office where where Pam screens his calls. Uh Where like like somebody will call Michael and she'll be like, "Okay, I have uh, I have Jim on the line," and then he'll be like, "Hello," and you know, say something stupid and. And she'll be like, "Oh, sorry, I haven't switched them over yet." Like she said that he did it because the second time he says something is always better. Right. You know, like, like if everybody had a Pam doing that for them, I feel like everything would be a little bit better. Yeah. That's
0: that's perfect. That's fantastic. All right, so we're gonna wrap up with two questions. Um, I I I love that. I I need my own Pam. That's that's great. We all. Uh, I think that's the moral of, of of the story for sure. So, with with that being said, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself throughout your your music journey? For sure, thing I've learned
1: about myself, I guess I guess it's it's not to be afraid of being myself. Like I told you before, like I got bullied as a kid, so like I was very self conscious. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anybody mm-hmm. would like me. I still have those tendencies. But it's it's kind of it, I I think I've learned that like I'm not such a bad person, you know. And I'm I'm you know I can do these things that I really want to do, and not worry about what other people really think of me. You know, I, I worry about what my close friends and family think about me. But mm-hmm. some fucking Joe Schmo just heard my music. Like I don't care anymore. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've just learned to be me and not worry about what other how other people feel about me. Like, fuck you. You know,
0: I dig it. I dig it. What do you think keeps you driven to pursue music?
1: Ah, shit. The music, the feeling, the, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. The feeling I get when I play music, you know, like that, I don't, I still haven't lost it. You know, I haven't yeah. lost that that joy when I pick up a guitar or when I pick up a microphone, you know, like there have been times where I've sat down and I've said, all right, I, I think, I think I should quit doing music. Like it's just, it's not going anywhere. And then I go to a practice, I pick up the mic and I'm immediately right back into, I love this. I don't know. I can't, I, there's no way I could, Yeah. you know, like, I, and, and also, I think the guys, you know, I think that's a big part of it is being able to hang out with them, you know, and, and drink some beers, you know, and fucking hang out and, you know, maybe smoke a little, you know, like, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: like just talk and, and write music. And, you know, like, I think those those are the two things, the feeling I, and I, I get and just like the camaraderie and the brotherhood that comes with being in those bands. I think those keep me coming back for sure.
2: I
0: love it, man. I I think that's actually it. That's a good way to end it.
1: Yeah. I feel like too, man. All right.